It's nice to see you all. And I'm, I'm just blessed to see so many of you here tonight. And I hope that the Lord ministers to you and that he would just speak to your heart. And perhaps you can share a message with somebody that you know that is dealing with situations and what we will be discussing tonight. But welcome. And if you are watching online, we are blessed to have you. And welcome. This evening, as you may know, we will be focusing on loving children and more specifically the children within our home. Whether it be a nuclear family or a blended family. And today it seems that many things are being redefined. Gender, for example, it's no longer your biological sex, male, female, but rather what you identify as. If you're a male but you identify as female, then you're female. And if you're male and you identify female and you identify as male, then you're male. It's whatever you identify as. And it's also believed that if you change the outside appearance or you remove body parts or you add body parts, that somehow you've changed your biological sex. And marriage is also being redefined. And it's no longer a relationship between a man and a woman. It is now between two males or two females. And who knows in the future what a marriage may consist of, the way things are heading. But all of this redefining affects the traditional structure of the family. It, it really does. But the structure of the family, it's also affected by divorce, by remarriage, separation, or death. And some of these circumstances are preventable, and some of them are not. But the reality is that families are affected by these circumstances. And there are many types of families. We have extended families. They consist of parents and their children, a grandmother and a grandfather in the same home. We have families that are single-parent families, and they either have a mom or they have a dad, but not both. And, but we're also seeing non-traditional families where you, it consists of two mothers or two fathers, and, and we know that that's happening as as they push God away. They want nothing to do with the Lord. But tonight we're going to focus on the nuclear family and the blended family. According to Wikipedia, a nuclear family is a family group consisting of parents and their children and typically living in one home residence. A blended family or a step family is a family where at least one parent has children that are not biologically related to their spouse. Either one parent or both parents may have children from a previous relationship or marriage. 
But regardless of the type of family that you are a part of, whether blended or nuclear, there will be problems. There is no such thing as a perfect family, regardless of what we may think. Don't let the enemy deceive you because he wants you to believe that your family is the only one that has problems and he wants to isolate you. Why? Because if he can get you to believe that everybody's family is perfect except for yours, you're not going to go to anybody for prayer. And God's word says that we are to pray for one another. And God's word says that we are to bear one another's burdens. So I advise you to just pray. Ask the Lord who you can trust. There's somebody you can trust. They can pray for you. I know I find so much comfort when my sisters pray for me. I don't think they're judging me. I go to them and they pray for me and it's so comforting. Prayer moves the mighty hand of God, ladies, and we need it. We all need prayer. But there's going to be problems in every family. Why? Because we are human beings, and wherever there are human beings, there will be differences. Differences in, differences in opinions and values and beliefs and personalities and there will be issues. And we can't discuss the family without going back to Genesis when the Lord created the heavens and the earth. So would you please turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 20? I love to hear those pages turning. <laughs> So here, Adam names the cattle, the birds of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. He looks different from the animals, and there is no one comparable to him. Let's read Genesis 2.18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him. I apologize, ladies. Oh, my goodness. I apologize. My Bible. Thank you. My Heavenly Father, I just lift the situation up to you. You know, Father, that I had two separate notes, Father. And and Lord, you are in control, and I just pray that you take over, my dear God. I apologize. Does anybody have a Bible with larger print? I'm, I'm so sorry. I was in a hurry, and I left my Bible, and oh. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Oh, I love my church family. Thank you. Who's this? this? I'm going to cry. Is this large? Which one's bigger? 
This is Joe's. It's Vegas. Ladies, yes, thank you. Once you turn, once you get into your 40s, your vision starts going. Ah, <laughs> oh, Lord, please just calm my anxious heart. Okay, so Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. So, no. Thank you. I'm so sorry. Thank you. I never come without my Bible. I feel like crying. So, chapter 2, verse 20. So Adam gave names to all cattle. Okay, so here Adam names the cattle, the birds of the air, and every beast of the field. Let's go ahead and just read that. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Okay, so here we have Adam. He names the cattle, the birds of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. So he looks different from the animals. And let's go ahead and read 2.18. Skip to 2.18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So he says it's not good that man should be alone. So God makes Eve and he brings her to Adam. And then in Genesis 21 through 24, we see where it says... Okay, so we read that part. And then so Adam has his partner, his wife, and they they become one. And we see here how it says, it says, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So... Now Adam has his partner, he has his wife, and they become one. So here we see the first marriage ceremony. See, God instituted marriage between one man and one woman. And he had a purpose behind that, and that was reproduction and creating a family, companionship, love. See, he knew that two males there would never be reproduction between two males. And he didn't create two females because there would never be reproduction between two females. And our wise God, he instituted marriage with a purpose. He created marriage. It was his idea. And he gets to decide the rules, not us. Genesis 2.24 reads, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. 
This speaks of unity, and not only sexual intimacy, but this also refers to spiritual intimacy as well. See, God sees the married couple as one. In Genesis one twenty eight, we read, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. See, God blesses them, and he instructs them to reproduce, to make a family. So here, his instructions for marriage and his purpose for marriage are made clear. It's a union. He has a plan. Man plus woman equals a family. So from the beginning, family was important to God. And having a family is a big responsibility. And it can be very difficult and challenging. But it is also a privilege. And it's a blessing because there are couples who cannot have children. And it's sad to know that you have women who have unplanned pregnancies and they just choose to abort their baby when... All the while, you have plenty of women who would give anything for a baby to just have a child that they can nurture and love. But I'm glad that adoption is an option for couples experiencing fertility issues. Adoption is it's a beautiful gift for both the parents and the children, and it allows for a family to be created. And struggles vary from family to family. And just because you are in a nuclear family does not mean that you do not or will not experience problems. Even though everyone is blood-related, you still have arguments among siblings, among spouses. You have difficult children. You have rebellious teens and stubborn spouses. And the list goes on and on. And yes, you may not have the problems and challenges that a blended or a step family faces, but nevertheless, you still have struggles, you still have challenges and difficulties and trials. And no family can escape life's problems. It's life. However, being a part of a blended family and loving children in a blended family, it it can be more challenging because... You must deal with issues that nuclear families don't necessarily deal with, such as the exes, the ex-wife, the ex-girlfriend, the ex-husband, the ex-boyfriend. They may or may not be civil. They may not be friendly. They may not allow you to have any say in their child's life. And this is problematic for a family, for the entire family. It it disrupts the consistency in parenting, and it disrupts the peace in the home. And if you are not allowed to set rules for this child, or if you aren't allowed to discipline the children, there can be chaos in the home. And it doesn't make for a peaceful and loving environment. And there are parents who believe that spanking their children is completely unacceptable. But God's word says otherwise. 
Proverbs 13.24, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Proverbs 13.24, the NLT, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. And finally, Proverbs 23.13 in the NLT, don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment will not kill them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. And then we are also told in Proverbs 19.18, chasten your son while there is hope. And do not set your heart on his destruction. So we gather from all these verses, all this scripture, that discipline is important to God. And he wants us to do it. And this reminds me when my son, to this day, I I talk about it, still hurts me. But my son, he, he was a stubborn little guy. And I had never had to, I never had spanked any of my children at such a young age. And I don't remember exactly what he was doing, but we were sitting outside that I remember we were sitting outside and, and I think he was, he was about one and a half. He wasn't even two, but I said, no. And he grabbed his hand and he hit me and I quickly grabbed his hand, I turned it over, and I smacked the palm of his hand. Immediately, he was crying. I was crying. We were both crying. Like I said, I had never spanked any of my kids at such a young age, but he was stubborn. And it hurt me. But I knew deep inside that I was doing the right thing. The Lord wants us to discipline our children. It hurt me more than it hurt him. <laughs> okay, and in disciplining our children, we are, we are actually loving them, and we're protecting them. And discipline without love is not discipline. And love without discipline is not love. See, a child needs both love and discipline. Proverbs 22.15, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. A good little spanking can go a long way. And it can change your child's course of life, according to God's word. And as parents, don't we want to spare them trouble? We want to warn them. We want to give our kids good advice. We want to protect them. I mean, my son, he's an adult now, but I get it from all of them. They think I'm overprotective, but I tell them, don't do this, and make sure you do this, and make sure you pray. And they tell me, Mama, I'm an adult. I'm a grown man. I'm an adult. And I tell them, it doesn't matter how old you are. And moms, you know, to... To us, they're still our babies. It doesn't matter. But Proverbs 19, 18. Chasten your son while there is hope. And do not set your heart on his destruction. So so chasten your son while there is hope. The inference here is that there's a time to discipline. 
So we want to discipline while there is hope. We don't want to start when they're adults. We don't want to start when they're teens. You want to begin disciplining at a young age when there is hope, when they're impressionable. Because once they become teens, they, they're set in their ways. I mean, I know my son, he's a big boy, my eldest son. And, of course, he used to get spanked when he was a little boy, but... I can't very well put him over my knees anymore and spank him. At this point, he can put me over his knees and he can spank me. <laughs> but another problem in families is the issue of partiality. And this does not only happen in blended families. This also happens in nuclear families. And perhaps the spouse is only showing love and affection toward their biological children and not his stepchildren. Or in a nuclear family, you may be a little more lenient with one child and a little more strict with the other one. Or maybe you do special things for one child, but you don't do them for the other child. And that, that hurts. And... We see this type of partiality and favoritism in the book of Genesis, chapter 37, with Jacob's family. And you may turn to Genesis, chapter 37, if you'd like, but I can just read it. But in Genesis, chapter 37, verse 3, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So Jacob showed partiality toward Joseph. And it was evident when he gave him that beautiful colored coat. And and see, this Jacob's family was a blended family. Jacob had 12 sons, but, and they were all his, his biological children. However, they didn't have the same mother. They, they had different mothers. In fact, Leah was the mother of Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Isaacar, and Zebulun. Rachel was a mother of Joseph and Benjamin. And then Zilpah who was Leah's maid, she was the mother of Gad and Asher. And Billa, Rachel's maid, was the mother of Dan and Naphtali. So they were really blended. But Jacob provoked his sons. And we are told in God's word not to do that. God warns us in his word. In Ephesians 6, 4, we read, and you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. See, Jacob provoked his sons, and he made them jealous, and this sparked hate between the brothers. And what did that jealousy and hate lead to? It led to wrath. 
So first they wanted to kill him, but then Reuben, the eldest son, he intervened and convinced them, hey, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in a pit. Besides, he's our brother. So they threw him in a pit, and they were just having a good old time, enjoying a meal while poor Joseph was in a pit, not knowing what would happen. But then when the Midianite traders passed by, they saw an opportunity to make money. And what did they do? They sold Joseph, and he was taken to Egypt. So Jacob was without his Joseph now. But when there is partiality, when there is favoritism in a blended family, especially, it's, it's painful, not, not only for the child or the children who are not being favored, but also for the biological parents. It hurts them. And this can put a strain on the parents' relationship and eventually the family as a whole. Partiality will affect the entire family. But another challenge for blended families is that you have adjustments to make. And perhaps in your blended family, there's only one parent bringing children into the family, but still, those children need to blend with their step-parent. And if both spouses bring their children in, it creates even more differences and challenges for the entire family. You have families coming together with children deferring in age. Some are young, some are teens, and some are just set in their ways, and they're just difficult. They have their likes, they have their dislikes, and each one has their own unique personality that may or may not mesh with their with their step-siblings' personality. And so everyone needs to adjust to the new rules, to the new people under their roof and, and the new environment, and it can be difficult and may even be a stressor for children because they don't know what to expect in their new environment. They may be asking themselves, where do I fit in? Because we all want to feel a sense of belonging. And we need to do our best to make that transition as smooth as possible by loving them and being patient. Love is patient. And we need to be patient because we have to remember that the children did not choose to be in these circumstances. The circumstances were brought upon them. I was at a hair salon, and I was inside, and this woman was outside, and I could hear her outside of the glass doors, and she was yelling at her children and scolding them, and from the moment that she walked in through the door until she left, and I remember feeling sad. And I remember feeling bad for the children. And of course, being a Christian woman, I immediately started praying for her 
and for those children in my heart and in my mind quietly. But the Lord is so good. The Lord reminded me, you had those bad days too. When your children were young, I mean, I had five, five running around. You had those bad days too. When you were stressed out and you were overwhelmed, And I would lose my patience, and I'm sure as mothers we all have those bad days. But I'm so glad that the Lord used that situation because it ministered to me. And he allowed me to remember that I too had those bad days. And he allowed me to feel what he feels when we as mothers lose our patience with with our little ones, and, and we begin raising our voices. It hurts God. It saddens him. And I encourage you to be patient with your children, with your grandchildren, with anyone's children. Just be patient with them. And show them the patience and gentleness that our God shows us. He's so gentle. He's so patient. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He is so patient with us. And there are many things that are out of our control within our families, regardless of the type of family that we are a part of. But the one thing that you have control of as a parent is the amount of love that you demonstrate. And that will make all the difference, whether we are the biological or step-parent We can always show more love. You can't go wrong when you show love to others. You can love that child or those children, and that can be a way to their hearts, and it can be a way to your spouse's heart as well. See, problems arise in a blended family when spouses think that they can love their spouse and not not their spouse's child or children. See, loving our biological children, it's easy. And for the most part, it, it comes naturally. It, it doesn't require effort. And loving our stepchildren may not come as easily. But we need to make that effort. Because when you married your spouse, you made a commitment not only to them, but also to their children and to God. They are a package deal. So your spouse comes with their children. It's no longer your children, my children. No, it's our children. We need to embrace those children. You are a family that God has brought together, and with his help and his love, you can make it work. Matthew 12, 25, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. So we need to stay united as a family. We are stronger when we are united in love. And in not loving our spouse's children, we're hurting the child or children we're hurting our spouse and and we're hurting God. 
God takes it personally. God wants us to love all children, not just our own children. All children are important to God. Do you remember Saul, who later became Paul the Apostle? Saul was persecuting the Christians. He was doing some horrible things. He was dragging them out of their homes. He was throwing them in prison. And in Acts 9-3, on the road to Damascus, the Lord spoke to him. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And see, Paul didn't directly hurt the Lord. He was hurting the Christians, God's children. And in persecuting and hurting his children, he was persecuting and hurting him, God. And we have to remember that God knows and he sees everything. And he wants us to love all his children and we are all his children. John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we are all his children. We are a family, and we need to love one another. And God takes it personally when we hurt his children. Matthew 25, 40 reads, And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, And as much as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. That's powerful. When I read that, it just made me see people differently. And as much as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. See, God takes this seriously. We hurt his children, we hurt him. We hurt the child, we hurt our spouse when we don't love them. And we hurt our relationship, and it hurts the family as a whole. But most importantly, it hurts God. And so it's important to love those children and to stir up the love in the home. God loves children, and he wants us to love children. Show love to the neighborhood children. I mean, it it doesn't have to be anything big. Greet them. If you know their name, call them out by name. Show love to those children you see in public, to the children at church. It shows them that somebody cares. It really does. And I know that when someone here takes the time to greet or talk to my children or one of my kids, it it warms my heart because I know that it makes them feel special. So thank you to those of you who take the time to talk to my children. It means a lot. But we need to be sensitive to young children as well as the adult children, especially here in the church, because as Christians, we are called to love like Christ. And 
we don't know what they're going through. We really don't. And I know that there have been kids in the church who have been hurt by comments that have been made by adults. And that shouldn't be taking place here in God's house. They should come here and they should feel welcomed and they should feel loved. And a few years back, A few years back, there was a young lady, and she was attending our church, and she was on fire for the Lord. She was excited, and she was coming to the young adult studies, and she was even bringing her friend. And she was still learning the word of God. And she was growing as a Christian. And I'm sure that there was a lot that she still didn't know. And she would just take notes and she would write in her prayer journal, the Lord was doing a work in her. But one day, this well-meaning sister, she walked up to her and she said to her friend, You shouldn't be wearing those shorts. You shouldn't be wearing those shorts to church. That's what she said. And I understand that she meant well. And I get where she's coming from. But this young lady was still growing in the Lord. And perhaps she didn't know how she was supposed to dress. And she could have handled it differently. She could have prayed for the young lady. Instead, and she could have just shown her love. Because the Holy Spirit convicts us. And sometimes we need to just allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in in these kids. But this young girl, I'm sure that she was humiliated and possibly discouraged from coming back to church. And knowing this, I just encourage you to Show these kids grace and love and allow the Holy Spirit to work in them. God's word says in Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So pray for them, love on them, greet them and hug them. And may the Lord just give us that sensitivity to know what to say and what not to say. Because we don't know what they're going through. My husband, he was driving to 7-Eleven one day. And there was this young teen standing at the door of 7-Eleven. And my husband assumed that he was going to ask him for money. And my husband gets out of his car and the young man approaches him. And he says, can I rap a song for you? And... My husband said, sure, go ahead. And so he starts rapping a Christian song. And for those of you who don't know what a rap song is, it's basically an upbeat song. It's got a catchy beat. It may have rhyming words or 
catchy phrases, but it tells a story. But this was a Christian rap song. And my husband said that it was such a blessing. I mean, it talked about the word of God, about the Lord. So he blessed my husband. And towards the end, the young man said to my husband, do you know that you are the very first person who talked to me today? He said, nobody would talk to me today. And today, I wanted to kill myself. We never know what people are going through. We don't know. And all it took was for my husband to hear his rap song. (laughs) And my husband was blessed. But my husband said to him, you know, don't listen to what people have to say. It doesn't matter what they have to say. You, have a, you are a young man. You have a lot to live for. You have a gift. What you just did for me, that is a gift from God. And he was just out there trying to minister to people, and nobody would give him the time of day. Nobody would listen to him. But after, every, after that, my husband said, can I give you a hug? And this young man said, sure. So they embraced. They both had tears. And mind you, this is during the pandemic, but... When the Lord stirs you, he stirs you, right? So just don't underestimate what a little conversation could do. Just extending that love, talking to somebody. You never know what someone is going through. But Jesus expressed his love for children. And children were brought to him so that he would put his hands on them and he would pray for them. Peter and the disciples, they wanted to tell the children to leave, and he even rebuked them. I mean, can you imagine rebuking children in front of Jesus? However, Jesus showed them and us an example to follow. In Matthew 19, 14, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. He made time for children. Our society tends to see children as an inconvenience and a nuisance. I mean, you hear comments, are they going to get a babysitter? I mean, you hear a lot of comments. And Jesus, he allowed the children to come near, and he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. And children are important to God, and they should be important to us. We are to love and care for children and nurture them, help them to develop spiritually, physically, and emotionally. I know that it's very important to read God's word to them, and when they get older, encourage them to read God's word. But one regret that I have, see, I ever since I came to the Lord, he gave me a love for him, and I was always in the word of God, always That's what got me through life, and I'm still always in the Word of God, but I wish that I had spent more time reading the Bible with my children. So I tell you ladies, read the Word with your your children. Teach them. It's so important. Or to your grandchildren, or to your neighbor, if you get to babysit, 
read to them. But Peter, he, wanted, he disregarded those children. He dismissed them. He wanted to ignore them. I mean, he probably found the children annoying. Who knows? And maybe he assumed that Jesus would feel the same way. But in loving children and others, we are loving God and we are reflecting his love. In John 4.20, if someone says, I love God and he hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother or any child of God whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And Romans 5.5 5 reads, The love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So when we accepted the Lord, he gave us the gift of his Holy Spirit, and he poured his love into our hearts. It's his love. And his love enables us to love how he loves. Because we don't know how to love. God's the one who teaches us how to love. See, our love, it has limits. Our love can be conditional at times. We can only take so much from people before we cut them off, especially if they are always offending us, if they're always hurting us, or if they're just toxic people. But God doesn't give up on anyone, and his love is limitless. It's unconditional, and he loves us no matter what we do. He hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. I was reading a discussion online, and there was this young man, and he's gay. And he was discussing how he's from the South, and in the church where he grew up, he always heard God hates gays. God hates gays. And I thought, that is not true. See, we are all sinners. We're all sinners. And the only difference is that as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin, and then we repent, and he forgives us. But we all sin daily. We are all sinners, gay or not. He hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. And if you are watching online and you are gay, I just want you to know that God does not hate you. He loves you and he wants to give you eternal life. Love is the solution. It isn't proud. It isn't envious or arrogant. It isn't self-seeking. It doesn't assume the worst of others. And sometimes don't we just jump to conclusions? But love, it isn't critical and it isn't quick to judge. It's the bond of perfection, God's word says. Colossians 3.14 NLT, Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So his love is that glue that 
that binds things together. He joins our hearts together. And when you glue something, it's difficult to separate. And the church, we are a church family, and God's love binds. He joins us. He he binds our hearts together, makes us one. And we may not be blood-related, but we are family because we because God's love unites us and makes us one. I've heard sisters here in the church say that they feel a stronger bond with their church sisters than with their biological sisters. And, and that is powerful. That, that's the love of God in us. But it isn't about the blood relation. It, it's, it isn't about our blood. It's about his blood. That was shed on the cross. His blood unites us and makes us a family, a church family. And even if you're in a blended family and there is no blood relation, you are still a family that God has brought together. And see, the enemy, he wants to divide. He wants to separate. In John 10.10, We read, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So the enemy, the devil, he wants to divide our family. He wants to separate us. Because if he separates us, ultimately he destroys that family. God came that we might have that abundant life. And if we obey his word and we live according to it, we will experience that abundant life. In Matthew 19, 19.4, we read, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. When God joins people, he wants them to remain together. And in doing so, the family remains together. And as Christians, we are instructed to love differently than the world loves. God is love, 1 John four sixteen, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So you can't have one without the other. They go hand in hand. And we are Christians, and we have the Holy Spirit, and we have God. And therefore, we have his love. And we can't say that we are Christians and not have and show love to others. It, it is his essence. And he cannot help but love. 1 Corinthians 13.4, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. So it doesn't brag. It is not puffed up conceited, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, 
thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Why? Because God is love. He never fails. He never fails, ladies. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is, can you guess? Love. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. It's all about loving others. Love is the reason Jesus died on a cross. Love is the reason we have eternal life. And nothing that we do matters if we don't have love. And ladies... I encourage you to read the Bible to your children and encourage them to read it. Teach them that God's word is powerful, that it's truth, and that it's important. Allow them to see that it's important to you. Make it a priority. Make reading the Bible a priority because they see that and they know it's important to you. I have to share this, but I saw a picture recently that my daughter had, and I thought, who took this picture of me? Where did it come from? And I know it's old because I don't even own those boots. I don't even own that sweatshirt. And I said, who took this picture of me? And my daughter said, oh, you were sitting on the couch reading the Bible. And I just thought, I wonder what made her take the picture of me. Did it? I don't know. Just she was glad to see her mother reading the Bible, but just let your children know that it's important. And it just blessed me to know that I didn't even know she had that picture, but I guess that was an important moment to her, right? So ladies just and grandmothers, just let your grandchildren and your children see how important God's word is to you, because it is. I don't know where I would be without God's word. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Deuteronomy 6, 6. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise His words should always be on our lips, on our heart, and in our homes. And ladies, if you have adult children who have walked away from the Lord, 
don't give up. Do not stop praying for your child. James 5.16, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Your prayers are powerful, and your children need your prayers. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Do not stop praying for your children. See, we have our part, and God has his part. Our part is to pray and to continue believing God. Continue waiting and trusting in the Lord and remember that our God is love and he never fails. Let's pray. My dear God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love. I thank you for how much you love us, Father, and thank you for everything that you do for us. May we be thankful, Father, for the cross, Father, and all that sacrifice, Father, your blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. May we live that life that you want us to live. And I pray, Father, that you would continue ministering to our hearts and that you would remind us of what your love looks like in action. May we extend that love that you have poured into our hearts. May we extend it to others, Father. May we show your love, the love of Christ. We thank you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.